Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. I'm joined by Ann Scheidler, the vice president of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. And does the pro-life movement need Donald Trump to survive politically? He really was a driving force behind a number of actions that ultimately protected the unborn. That's very true. Donald Trump uh, has been a a terrific asset to the pro-life movement over the last four years, bringing a, a ton of attention to the plight of the unborn, being willing to speak about it uh, in in many of his national addresses, particularly his State of the Union um, address, uh, doing what he could to cut off funding to the nation's largest abortion provider, Planned Parenthood. But does Don, do we need Donald Trump to survive? Actually, the only person we need to survive as a pro-life movement is our Lord and Savior. And uh, what whatever does happen going forth with, with politics, we know that ultimately politicians can be helpful, they can do us favors, but our work is cut out for us no matter who's in the White House or who is in the halls of Congress or who is down in Springfield. We have to convert our whole culture to a culture of life. But it could be more difficult to do that in a Biden administration. It'll definitely be more difficult in a Biden administration. Maybe that motivates uh, pro-life people to be more involved, more active, to get out on the street, to go out and, um, and pray and counsel at abortion clinics, to support the pregnancy centers, and to work for candidates who are running for office in the next election, but I have, I've always said we will get really good political leaders when we have really good voters who understand the importance of this issue. And I'm afraid that too often even Christians don't prioritize the abortion issue when they get into that voting booth. And we end up with political leaders who undermine our efforts. So part of our, our mission is to convert our society bring people back to uh, recognition of of God, bring people back to morality and uh, the things that really, really matter. And you have to inform voters about what some of these candidates actually stand for. Yeah, we have to inform voters. And that's a challenge, you know. Um, Where do you... Where do you encounter them? Are you going to catch them on Facebook? Um, are you going to hand out uh, literature on street corners, radio stations? You know, where, where are you going to encounter the voter to get them to pay attention to where these people stand on the issues that really matter? Joe Biden should not be allowed, for instance, to receive communion in a Catholic church because he has taken so many stands that are diametrically opposed to the teachings of the Catholic church. And uh, abortion is one of those. Um, marriage is another one. He's taken stands supporting homosexual marriage, which is not a, a Christian belief. And he's done everything he can to push abortion. Federal funding, he's, he's, even in the last campaign, changed his tune on the Hyde Amendment, which he had always supported. But now he says, no, no. He wants, he wants us to, to send money to uh, foreign countries to cover uh, the cost of abortion. 
Kamala Harris is, you can't get more pro-abortion than she is. She's the one who authorized or, or um, instigated the raid on David Daleiden's apartment out in Los Angeles, the the young man who uncovered the... The, the whistleblower. The, yeah, the, the, <laughs> that Planned Parenthood was selling baby body parts. And instead of going after Planned Parenthood, she went after the whistleblower. And, Anne, we know that uh, Joe Biden's choice for Health and Human Services Secretary... A fellow named Becerra out of California essentially tried to shut down pregnancy care centers out in California. Supreme Court intervened, though. And what, what could be the point of that? These are centers that meet the needs of women who are facing an unplanned pregnancy. You would think that our elected representatives and our, our attorneys general and people like that would be thrilled that you have organizations that don't need to be funded by taxpayer money that are out there providing all of the resources that that women need when they face an unplanned pregnancy it saves the taxpayers a ton of money to have these services provided and yet over and over again in places like California and Illinois we see these attempts to shut down the pregnancy centers well that's just bad news and you know they always talk about choice and this is offering women an alternative, another choice. And it's, it's, it's very only, hypocritical. Yeah, it's the only real choice. And I, I always say that about our, um, our sidewalk counseling ministries, too. We're the ones who are offering an actual choice. The abortion clinics offer nothing but an abortion. The pro-life pregnancy centers and the sidewalk counselors offer real choice and real compassion. They sit and they listen to what are the concerns of the women. You know, if, if it's a financial concern, if it's a relationship concern, if it's uh, somewhere to live. I mean, the, the pro-life movement is providing homes for unwed mothers. They're providing uh, opportunities for uh, employment training, for instance, and parenting classes and all kinds of resources that help the family to navigate through a difficult time. During the election, we heard about faith leaders who say they're pro-life, but indicated that they could not vote for Donald Trump because of his immigration policies, uh, alleged racism, even tax policies. Uh, do you think that type of reasoning on issues not directly related to protecting human life in the womb is gaining more traction in the pro-life movement? Uh, could it be used as justification to vote for pro-abortion candidates. I don't know if it's gaining more traction, but it has been a problem for all of the years that I've been involved in the pro-life movement. Years, decades ago, actually, there was a kind of rating of politicians, uh, and they would get points for their positions on immigration or uh, care for the poor, things that were, were not directly in, related to um, the pro-life movement itself, abortion itself. So somebody like, for instance, a uh, Ted Kennedy in his day, who always voted for abortion and yet was a vote for uh, aid for, for the impoverished, he would get a high rating at, uh, on the pro-life scale uh, with some of these organizations. And somebody like a Henry Hyde, who was so pro-life, would get a poor rating because he didn't dole out money the way that the liberals like to dole out money to um, to the poor. So it's 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 been the kind of a 
excuse to let people vote for somebody who doesn't protect life, who puts, puts abortion uh, at the bottom of the list, or isn't actually pro-abortion, and gives people a saves their conscience, so to speak, to, to vote for somebody who's, okay, so they're really good on immigration, but uh, the life in the womb has no protection at all. What good is that to anyone? If you don't protect life at the very beginning, your attempts at protecting life anywhere else are shallow. I would say that the unborn baby, if he or she could talk, would say, we're the priority here. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> they're the ones whose lives are in danger. How, how many are we aborting every year? I know the, the rates are down, which is great news, but they're not down enough. We're still uh, aborting somewhere in the neighborhood of 800,000 unborn babies every year in America. Is there any other area of concern where that many lives are lost? No, no. there's not. You mentioned Henry Hyde, and we talked about taxpayer funding of abortion. Democrats in Congress say that days of the Hyde Amendment that uh, prohibits funding of most abortions are numbered. How do we keep the Hyde Amendment? Oh, we have to make sure we um, keep our congressmen uh, hold their feet to the fire. When you get a majority of, of people in Congress who want to get rid of the Hyde Amendment, it is in jeopardy. And it's, it's been, you know, uh, on the ropes many times over the last 48 years. It would be really wonderful if we could enshrine that in a, a more um, uh, permanent solid, way. permanent, permanent yeah. way that, that would not require going back to it over and over and over again, because it's always in jeopardy. You know, we, we need to protect it, and we need, we need, again, to elect people for whom life is a priority. Well, we'll take a time out and then continue our conversation with Ann Scheidler, the vice president of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. Societies need babies if they're going to have a future. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Recently, a Communist Party official admitted that China's war on fertility, decades of propaganda, even violence to keep Chinese women from having more than one child, has worked too well. Since relaxing the one-child policy in 2015, China's fertility rate has only risen to about 1.5 births per woman, which is still way below the 2.1 births necessary to meet labor demand and keep the vitality of the economy and society. But for 40 years, Beijing taught its people that the fewer kids they have, the better off they'd be. Apparently, the people believed it. China, however, is not alone. As I recently noted on Breakpoint, the U.S. may be headed for a COVID baby bust, further lowering our already low fertility rate. In fact, every single country in the Western world is failing to secure their futures because the future of any nation depends on babies. I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, along with Ann Scheidler, the vice president of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. In fact, we're recording this interview in the offices of the Pro-Life Action League in Chicago. Tell us about the work of the Pro-Life Action League and how people can help you folks out. Well, we are a direct action pro-life group, so we're not so much involved in the lobbying or the pregnancy center direct help to women we're um, involved in, in training people to be out in the public square and to witness to life in the public square. And one, one of those things is 
uh, praying and counseling at abortion clinics. Really important. It's similar to the 40 Days for Life concept where you come out and you, you pray where those killings are happening in front of the abortion centers around the country. Anytime people want to get involved in doing that, certainly contact us at Pro-Life Action League, prolifeaction.org, and we can send you to wherever is the most convenient spot for you to get out and pray. And we can do training for sidewalk counseling so you know how to reach out to the women who need the help. And we also organize these national events around the country, and our very next one is what we call Peace in the Womb, which is Christmas caroling in front of abortion facilities. Because we know these places are, are just places of darkness, and we want to bring the light of Christ to the abortion clinics. And we, we've been doing this for at least a dozen years now, where we, we take a, a little empty manger and we put it down in front of the abortion, uh, on the sidewalk in front of the clinic, and we sing a series of, of Christmas carols. And we have actually had testimony from women who heard the Christmas carols from inside the clinic, and it touched their hearts and they changed their minds and left and had their babies instead. Because, of course, Christmas evokes the vulnerability of a child. And we know that Christ didn't come to earth to see his creation destroyed. No, no. I mean, it, it, it just uh, blows your mind to think that God came to earth as a child, as a little, helpless, unborn child, born in the cold in Bethlehem, and not, not born in, in even a home, you know, in, in a stable, a barn of some sort, um, extremely vulnerable. These unborn babies today are extremely vulnerable, and they, they're, they're coming into a world that has accepted abortion as a solution if it's not the most optimum time to have a baby. So now more than ever, we really need people to recognize the vulnerability of the child and our, our obligation to protect them. So if people want to get involved in that project, uh, Christmas carols, how do they do that? Uh, you can call the office, 773-777-2900, or go to the website, prolifeaction.org, and under events we have the Peace in the Womb Christmas caroling. And we have, we have this goes on all over the nation, so if you're um, out of the state of Illinois and, and uh, want to see if, is there one of these Peace in the Womb uh, events happening in your state, it's listed by state, and then from there by um, location. A municipal location. And the Pro-Life Action League will also be involved in something kind of new in conjunction with the annual March for Life. You're going to be out at the big abortion center in Aurora and also in Rockford. Yeah, we are. You know, this year things are a little different. So whether um, people decide to go to Washington, D.C. for the annual March for Life, uh, there are a lot of activities that used to be associated with that that won't be held this year. So we have opted this year to do, on the actual uh, anniversary of Roe v. Wade, January 22nd, a candlelight vigil at the large Planned Parenthood, the Mega Center in Aurora. That was the country's first mega abortion clinic. So 6 o'clock on the evening of January 22nd, we will be in Aurora with a candlelight vigil. I'd love to have people join us out there. Joe Scheidler and I will be speaking at the uh, Walk for Life in Rockford on January 23rd at the federal courthouse there at 10 o'clock in the morning. So that's Joe another Sh opportunity. Joe Scheidler is here right now. Joe, tell everybody to come. 
Oh, everybody come. <laughs> we want to have a big crowd there and show what we, what we believe in. The life of the baby is one of the most important things in the world. God doesn't make um, trash. He makes beautiful human beings. So everybody be there, and uh, you'll be safe, I promise you. All right. Yeah, bring you. your kids. Bring your whole family. Yeah. It'll be a great event. I, I put Joe on the spot while he was working here at his desk. <laughs> so anyway, those are two big events in conjunction with the annual March for Life. Let me ask you this, Anne, and I want to get a little political here. What could Donald Trump do post-presidency on behalf of the pro-life cause? How could he be used? He could continue to do um, some of what he has done as president. I mean, he's definitely profoundly changed the Republican Party and uh, highlighted the abortion issue and the importance of life. I would hope that he would continue to campaign for, uh, for the babies, to teach other, other uh, politicians how to go about doing that, to have the courage. Usually they're, they've, even when the ones that were pro-life were so hesitant to mention the, the life issue. But, but Trump has been very bold about it. And of course, his appointment of constitutional um, Supreme Court justices will have a lasting effect on the, the nation as cases that involve life come before the court. And that's a big plus side for the pro-life cause post-Trump era. Absolutely, yeah. I, I suspect Trump is going to be um, in the public eye for a long time. For one thing, the media would all just collapse without him. They, they will have nothing to talk about if they don't keep talking about him. So he'll still have uh, a really a bully pulpit, whether he's in the White House or he isn't. And uh, I, I think he can still impact the direction our country goes and continue to, quote, make America great again. Make the America great for life again. Yeah, Exactly, there we go. yes. Well, we're talking as though uh, Donald Trump will be out of office. We really don't know that as we, no, uh, we record don't know this that. interview. But that brings up this issue, the whole idea about election integrity. And really, if you, if you think of this from a pro-life perspective, election integrity really matters for the pro-life cause. Oh, yeah. I and mean, we have to have confidence that our elections are being honest, that the will of the people is, is actually happening. We need to know that people aren't cheating on elections and that it, there, there are opportunities for pro-life politicians to get into office. Because we don't want people to become discouraged that it can't, you can't get elected because you're pro-life, because there's too much fraud uh, trying to keep you out. We've got to have assurances that the good people who really do want to serve our country have a shot at getting into office and making a real difference. Well, we know that the Illinois General Assembly is not meeting in veto session, but come January, who knows, maybe they'll be there Zoom-wise or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. We're hearing that the threat will be against the Parental Notice of Abortion Act that has saved so many unborn children and a lot of young girls from regret. Yeah, we, we hope to be able to protect our parental notification law, which took you know so many years to actually get enforced, I think 15 years from the time it was signed till it was actually enforced. The abortion advocates have tried to go after it, and we don't believe it is very safe, even with the um, abortion act that Pritzker signed. Was it last year or two years ago? I think now, two years, two years ago, ago yeah. now. 
the so-called yeah. reproductive the healthcare reproductive health care act. Yeah, yeah. It the the parental notice may be in jeopardy just because of that law. Um, so we have to really be vigilant that our parental notice uh, act doesn't get watered down or completely revoked. Uh, we we need to try to have some protection for minor girls who um, are, are thinking about abortion, that their parents be involved in the choices they make. The surrounding states have laws in place, and Illinois had become a destination point for underage girls to come here for abortions. With the, uh, uh, the Parental Notice Act in place, we have an opportunity to protect not just the unborn babies these girls are, um, are carrying, but protect the girls themselves from making a terrible choice. Well, how do we do that, Ann? Uh, how do we keep the Parental Notice of Abortion Act when the legislature is still controlled by Democrats? They have super majorities in both the House and State Senate, and we have a pro-abortion governor. We need to lobby to make sure that our church leaders, for one thing, will speak up on this and urge people to contact their legislators and to, to uh, send e emails and go visit your um, state representative, your state senator, uh, write letters to the, the governor. It sometimes seems like that's a waste of time because when they are solidly pro-abortion, like most of the Democrats in the state of Illinois are, it may seem like, well, this is an exercise in futility. But if they were to see that the majority of the people in their district really want to protect teenagers from making terrible choices, uh, want to protect families, the, the integrity of the family, so that these life decisions are not made by a 16-year-old kid without the input of their parents, it's very important to protect the integrity of the family, and uh, we need we need our legislators to know that that the family the matters on. to us. Yeah, you got to put the heat on. Yeah, you do. I'm concerned that the movement for euthanasia and assisted suicide will be coming to Illinois. We're hearing that you know they're not going to do it this session or this upcoming session. I'm not so sure, uh, and I think they could use the pandemic is justification. How confident are you that assisted suicide is not coming to Illinois in the near future? Well, I wouldn't be terribly confident. Although right now, I think after just hammering into us that we have to protect the uh, elderly vulnerable, it would be pretty hard to say at this point, uh, let's turn around and give them the opportunity to you know, opt for death. <laughs> it just would seem like not a popular position to take right now, well, I that hope. That would be their I definition hope. of protecting the vulnerable. We'll kill you. So <laughs> this is protecting you. They might, Crazy. but I think it would be a little bit difficult to frame that issue this year. But it, but it definitely is going to be coming. It's a very insidious approach. And the um, you know it, it's, it's true there are limited resources, no matter what, to care for people. But opting for choosing death is uh, unacceptable. Yep. Well, what should pro-life people be doing, Christians, pro-life people be doing, in preparation for what may be coming? Well, I think the pro-life movement will be um, monitoring these situations and coming up with um, action items, like Illinois Family Institute, for instance. I mean, there will be um, things on, on your website that will help people to take the next step, to see what's coming up, what do I need 
to take action on now? Uh, educating yourself on what exactly are the arguments that the assisted suicide people use? You know, we haven't done as much on that in the pro-life movement as we have on abortion because that is, you know, frankly, for the last 48 years, been the paramount problem that we face. But more and more, states are opting for physician-assisted suicide uh, and and for um, euthanizing children who are born with ser serious anomalies. It's a really dangerous, dangerous slope to be on, and um, we need to be really vigilant to watch for what's coming. I'm glad you brought that up about euthanizing the, the young. We think of the elderly, even the young, they're going to be going after. Yeah. And, and right, you know, we, we've known for many, many years that when it turns out that a baby has got some serious anomalies um, in the womb, that the professionals recommend abortion, termination, or whatever they might want to call it. Um, I was just reading yesterday uh, of a, a good pro-life friend. Uh, they've recently discovered that their baby has got multiple anomalies. And, uh, you know, there are various choices about what kinds of treatment they could try to give the baby extra, a little bit of extra chance uh, at another few days of life, or some, they know that the baby is not going to survive very long after he's born, short of a miracle. But so frequently, babies with these diagnoses are simply consigned to the abortion. No real counseling given to parents about how to deal with a poor diagnosis for uh, an unborn child and what help is available, what sort of support is available for families who face these kinds of things. Yes, it's a, it's a challenge to bring a child with a disability into the world, but that child is just as entitled to the love and protection and care and compassion of his family and of the rest of us as a perfectly healthy child. Well, Anne, thank you so much. Now, along with your leadership here at the Pro-Life Action League. You wear another hat for the Speak Out Illinois Pro-Life Coalition. There's gonna be a big conference coming up, time and date to be determined. To be determined because of course, uh, right now it's very difficult to plan anything. We had our, our conference planned for late February, but at the moment no one is allowed to gather anywhere. So that has to be looked at and uh, a new date scheduled. So. Stay tuned. We'll, Stay <laughs> we'll publish tuned. A, a new date when we have it nailed down. Possibly May. Okay. That might be a date that we do. So. All right. Put it on your calendar. A, yeah. a big maybe. <laughs> 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 All right. Thank you so much. Ann Scheidler, the vice president of the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. Once again, Ann, tell us how folks can connect with the Pro-Life Action League. You can go to our website, prolifeaction.org, and everything you might want to know about pro-life activism is there. Ann Scheidler with the Chicago-based Pro-Life Action League. Pray for our state and nation during this Christmas season. And please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute, especially during our year-end matching challenge. Major contributors are standing firmly alongside the ministry of IFI by offering a two-for-one matching challenge up to $105,000. That means your tax-deductible donation will be tripled between now and the end of the year. So, Please help us reach our goal of raising $105,000 by the end of the month by donating today. 
click Matching Challenge on the IllinoisFamily.org homepage. Or to make a credit card donation over the phone, call the IFI office at 708-781-9328. You can also send a gift to Illinois Family Institute, P.O. Box 876, Tinley Park, Illinois, 60477. Thank you. God bless you. Please act today and Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize. 